0: Thank you, everyone. Great to be here today. Man, what a, just a great time of worship uh, this morning. It's a little bit hard to kind of re-engage uh, when, you know, coming out of God's presence into uh, articulating a message. <laughs> so just bear with. Uh, so, you know, last week we uh, started a, an exciting new series called uh, Built to Last, and here at Thrive, we're all over. We want to see everyone from the back row to the front row and the aisles and the people that aren't here. Everyone, everyone here has got a life that counts, a life that matters, a life that God has got His purpose to be strong. So um, we're going to be just kind of going through over this next term or so, just kind of like, what do, we, what do we need to do? What, what is it you're saying, God? For us to be strengthened in our life and so on 3 John uh, 1 to 2 we, we just kind of leant on this one a little bit last week and it says that you would be in health and prosper just as your soul prospers so you know we all want to uh, you know Get the get the stuff to get to the destination, uh, but if we don't have the capacity to hold the stuff, uh, we're gonna we're gonna let it go, and we're not gonna get to where we need to go. So we, it's all about this prosperity of the heart that God is bringing strength and and increase to our soul in this season, and we really want to highlight. Uh, That at this time. The other thing that we're kind of just doing is just making a little bit more room for the Holy Spirit uh, intentionally as well in our services. I don't know if you've noticed that in the last couple of weeks, but just um, through a kind of few prophetic things, um, just going, actually, we really need to be uh, intentional about making room for the holy spirit to move in our lives as well and and so we want to make sure that he is so a part of our sunday mornings <laughs> you know we want to we want to run it well here but we just can't do this as a as a uh, an organization we can only do this as a living kind of we're alive and a living organism aren't we with the holy spirit breathing on our lives so anyway so a few years back, uh, Deb and I, we went down south to Wanaka, and uh, we went to the Wanaka Maze. anyone done the Wanaka Maze here? Woo! Woo! Well, um, see, I remember this story quite differently to the way that Debbie remembered this story, so I'm going to tell it the way that Debbie remembered it so I uh, get a nice lunch. Um, so... <laughs> So we went into this maze, into this uh, the Wanaka maze, right? And uh, you go into this maze with high expectations that you're going to nail this thing and get to the end. And uh, and uh, we were we were like, can't be can't be that hard. And so we went in there. uh, First twenty minutes, we were really like, yeah, we're on to this, and we got really close to the to the exit, you know, one one thing away. And then we, we just couldn't get. Like out, you know that was the problem. We were so close to getting out, but we just we just couldn't get out, so we, all the way back, all the way back, all the way back, and start again, and they're just you know winding away around, like looking under like the maze to see if there's other things and wanting to cheat, and then you go past all these uh, exit signs on the way yeah and you're like you could just get out of this maze at any time and uh and use one of those exits, but you'd be defeated and the what the maze' would win, and so i don't know we spent probably the good part of eight hours in there that'd be right wouldn't it honey? um we took a packed lunch and um Debbie piggybacked me for a while, and I know it was just like by the end of it, it was like what? and um in the end, the maze actually defeated us uh, we we um and I'm telling the story correctly, darling. What, what part am I missing of the story? That I wanted to quit and you wanted to keep going. That is not healthy. For you to bring that up in front of everyone here. I know, I'm just being real, that's right, you know? And, um, but at least we both failed at the end. See, I had a word that it was time to quit, and Debbie was just, she was totally not listening to God. Um, So, honey, I guess I win. If you ever play games with Debbie, uh, you'll find out that she's very, very competitive, and, you know, just that whole kind of loving pastoral nature, like, she hangs that up uh, and goes, I will conquer you! (laughs) So, yeah, she's um, intense, and she's really loving and a great cook. And <laughs> yeah, it's funny, on a text yesterday, Debbie was um, texting me about something, and, I, and I'd forgotten to do something or something like that, and I was like, yeah, but, and I wrote something, something, something. <laughs> I had no comeback. Anyway, let's move right along. Um, because, uh, you know, life is full of maze type experiences, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Just nod, you're with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we all have these areas in our life where f- suddenly we're, you're going and suddenly you're out and you're like, oh, I got out of that season. I'm five myself. And, and, or, well, there's some parts in our lives where it's like, well, I'm just, I'm stuck in this place, in this maze. And we can go through life with, Parts of our life in freedom, and then parts of our lives actually being stuck in, in in a corner, and we're like, and and we think that that's our normal. We think that this this is all I've got here. That's just this this corner, this maze. That's, I'd really like to get out of here, but I'm just stuck in this place. But there's other parts of my life, you know, they're going really well, and I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to live with this kind of area here that's just like ugh, so annoying but God actually wants us to be completely liberated in all all of our life. He he isn't just assigned some of our life to be free and some of our life to be kind of a mess uh, and some of our life to be kind of like in the wilderness, but He wants to liberate us so that we're completely free, you know. Um, when I was praying about this message, I really, I really believed uh, that there's some people actually have been stuck in holding patterns. And you know, when you you just can't land, the plane's flying around, 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 around because there's something out of order on the uh, on the on the runway, and the plane can't land. And um, I I just get a real sense that that God wants to liberate some people today that have been stuck in holding patterns. You just like you want to get out and you want to keep moving, and God has got, he's got leverage to get you out of that and get you into that uh, next season. You know, um, back in the day, pe- people were just kind of like happy with whatever they had. And, and, and specifically, you think about candles. I was thinking about candles. And, you know, back in the day, it was like, this is, what, this is all you got. Oh, I got my candle. I'm going to light the room with my candle. And this is what everyone else does. But then you've got old Mildred up the road. Or was it Shirley? I don't know. Uh, Shirley up the road, and she gets a light bulb. And suddenly, suddenly, Shirley sees Mildred's light bulb. No, I changed it back. And, and she's like, oh, well, I was happy with this candle. It, You know, it was dim lighting. It flickered a little bit. It was, if, if the wind came, <laughs> it was romantic. Thank you, Jared. If the wind came, it could blow it out. But that's all I've got. You know, I'm, That's all I've got, so I'm happy with it. But then she sees Mildred or Shirley, and, and, and she wants something she hasn't got because she can see something that's better than what she already had. And, you know, sometimes we don't realize we're actually struggling in a rut until we see someone running past us. And we see someone like, I'm out of that maze. And I'm like, what? I thought I was born for this maze. And it's like, no, actually you're born for the outside of that maze. And we can become familiar with our normal and think that that's just our lot in life. It says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Familiar thinking keeps us in familiar places. And so The awesome thing about being in connection with Jesus Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, is He is a good guide. He is the one that takes us through our life journey. He doesn't just, you know, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what is He? He's the Spirit of truth who will lead us into all truth. Some people think it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And that's cool. The, the Holy Bible is amazing. And where the Bible is an incredible resource and truth is all found in the Bible. And I don't want to discredit the Bible, but the Holy Spirit is the one that is going to lead us through relationship on through those seasons in our life. And so I want to connect you today with the guidance system. With heaven's guidance system, I want to highlight heaven's guidance system for you. And it's not exactly what you think it is going to be because God wants to bring increase into our lives and he can't bless something that he doesn't agree with. He can't expand something in your life that is not in line with His heart and His will. And so I want to just kind of pull some things today to help you just to go through to that next level and maybe get off your knees, put the, the candle away, go with a torch and start running in life because He wants our lives to shine on high beam. Um, it says here in John 1 verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Who owns a Bible here? Whose Bible is currently on their iPhone or anything like that? Yeah, I got that. So the Bible is, you know, we've got the Old Testament and we have got the New Testament. And the Old Testament is, is called the Old Covenant. It's this connection, this way of relationship that humanity had with God at that time. From Moses, that was. Before Moses, there wasn't a, uh, an actual a, a law, believe it or not. But there was this Old Covenant in the Bible, which is the Old Testament. And it says here that the law was given through Moses. And so the law was given through a man. And now this law was actually given reluctantly by God to mankind. Just to set the scene, all right, Moses, everyone knows Moses. He receives the Ten Commandments up on the mountain that got all burnt in Mount Sinai, I think it was. And so Moses Moses comes down from the mountain. He says to the Israelites, hey, guys, come up to the mountain because God wants to meet with you. God wants to have relationship and connection with your life. And they were like, no, Moses, I just, you know, that looks flippin' scary. There's thunder and lightning and there's probably spiders. And, And they were like, no, I'm not going. And they said to Moses, Moses, you tell us. You go and tell us what we need to do you tell us what we need to do. We just want to know what we need to do. We don't want that scary relationship thing that you've got going on with God. We just want a list. Somebody give me a list. Who who likes lists? You know, I just want the action points and I can go out and achieve it, you know. So the, the the Jewish nation, they were looking for a list when God was actually looking for a connection. They were looking for, I just want to, just show me what we do, I just, because relationship's hard. (laughs) Who knows that? Like intimacy, an intimate relationship is hard. And they are like, oh, that looks scary for one thing. I can't, I don't want to enter, and you just tell me what to do, and I just want to obey. And so the second half of that verse says, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the law was given as a lift, but grace came as a relationship. See, Jesus said, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you'd connected with me, you've connected with the Father. I. Uh, this is God walking amongst us. This is the heartbeat of heaven came through in Jesus Christ's life. And he says, I'm bigger than the law. The covenant, the agreement, the, the, the connection that you're going to have with God, the Father, through my life, it's far better than a to-do list it's far greater than just kind of like trying to do your best in life and seeing if that is enough it's far better than just rocking up to church on sunday ticking the box uh, you know just tithing and and i mean tithing's awesome it's just like you know it's it's you know they, they had something like i don't know 200 laws that they had to obey and then and then there were the, the um the, the Jews came in, uh, the Pharisees came in, and then they added uh, like another couple of hundred laws. There was something like 500 laws, just broad brushstroke that, that one there, but there's, there's heaps of laws out there that they had to keep in line with to obey. And Jesus said, hey, nah, you don't have to do that. I want to free you from obligation living. I want to fr- set you free. And he, Jesus was showing humanity that, that, that without him, they were just crawling in the dark but see christ has not created us to just isn't you know we don't have feet on our knees (laughs) come on he's created us to run to soar He's created us to not stay stuck in colding patterns in the corner of a maze and a part of our life in a wilderness experience. He has given us the tools that we need to go to the next level. Tell, touch your neighbor and tell them that they're going to go to the next level this morning. Come on. Just say next level, next level. See, Jesus Christ, he is, he's our guidance system. Tell your neighbor that Jesus Christ is your guidance system. Come on. Come on. He is. He is. We're connected to the Father through Jesus Christ. And so, you know, to activate um, any guidance system, you kind of need to know where you're at first up, don't you? You're like, what's the reference point? I don't know. You guys have got uh, Google Maps on your iPhones or Androids, whatever they are. (coughs) Sorry, timely cough. (coughs) And, uh, yeah, Androids are incredible. Um, So... And when you dial in a location in, in, um, in Google Maps and you're looking to get somewhere, it also asks you, where, where are you? Where are you? So I can tell you how to get from where you are to where I want to take you. Because I want to take you somewhere. I'm, I'm the Google Map application and I'm programmed to give you destiny. I'm programmed. I want to show you where you need to go. But please tell me. Please tell me. Be real with me about where you are right now. And then I can tell you where you need to go, okay? But first, you need to tell me where you are. Uh, and I love Isaiah 60. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And, and this is the prophetic voice saying that Christ in us, that, that Christ is coming to the world and, and that through Christ, we're gonna have this incredible connection. This is the destination. This is This is where we wanna go. This is, we're dialing in now to Google and we're going, hey, I wanna go there. And we're like, I'm all about the shiny light thing. Like that sounds like me. I want my life. I want my life to shine. And then it says in Isaiah sixty verse two. The next verse it says, "For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness over the people." See, that was the current stat. That was, and that is humanity's current stat. Largely, is that the the, the world is living in deep darkness. There are part of, there is even parts of our lives that are actually shrouded in darkness. You know, if we don't allow Christ in. But Christ wants to take us out of the darkness. He wants us to dial it in and he says, hey, but I can't take you out unless you're real about where you are. I can't take you to that destination unless you're real about me with where you're at currently. Because I'm a father and unless you can't see yourself as a, as a child, I can't lead you. Because Jesus said, you know, unless, uh, you know, that ch- children can't enter into the kingdom of heaven, like people can't enter into the kingdom of heaven unless they have faith like a child. He is looking for dependence to him on our lives. He is looking. He is looking to you. Are you dependent? Are you willing to be real? And I just want to put this out there today, just as the first deep thing that I really want you to consider. I'm sure there have been other deep things like Wanaka Mazes and that sort of thing, but I want you to be real about where you're at in the avenues of your life at the moment. I don't, look, you could be a leader here, like I said in first service, you could be a leader, you could be a pastor like myself, because I have I've places loose ends in my life that I still like, you know, God, what are you doing? You could, this could be your first Sunday here at Thrive this morning. And, and I just want to encourage you to be completely real about where you're at. We, like, as a church, we're learning to embrace vulnerability. We're learning uh, to go, hey, it's, it's okay to be real. And, and um, we, we want to encourage you and, and set an example as leaders here about being real. And being real with people that, you know, you can trust, not just spilling your guts with anyone, but someone who actually knows to ha- how to help you process through stuff. And so this morning, we want to, at the end of the service, I, I, there's going to be an opportunity for you to be real. And maybe you've never responded uh, today. Maybe uh, at, at, at church in your entire life, you've never gone up the front to the altar and received the Holy Spirit and just get kind of free from some stuff. There's going to be an opportunity. Maybe you think that, man, if someone saw me responding today, what would they think of me? It's like, no, we don't care. Honestly, we're not looking at you. We're not going to accuse you. We're not going to condemn you. We're like, we we're just like, we all, we we go by the grace of God. Like, I I I can't do this thing without the grace of God, and I can't do this thing, uh, and I don't want to do this thing and lead a church full of people who are just pretending that they're all good, squeaky clean on a Sunday, and just like, you know, nah. No, that's that's not the kind of church that we uh, want to to create. It's not the kind of environment that we want to create here because people will read that environment. They'll be just like, what? There's something going on here. And I'm not saying that there is right now, okay? So, But I'm just saying, let's just be real. Let's be real. So just want to jump into um, some amazing stuff from the Jewish culture here. Um, and it'll all make sense. This is like the second half of my message now. Whoop! On September the 22nd, which is last Tuesday, just this week, Um, in the Jewish calendar, the day of atonement begins. And it's called Yom Kippur. And it continues through to the next evening, Wednesday night, the 23rd. And so for for the Jewish uh, religion, it's a day of repentance to God. And it's often observed by 25 hours of fasting and going to the synagogue, which is like their church, and praying. And so for the Jewish people, Yom Kippur is considered as like the, the holiest day of the year, and it brings to the end the high holy days for the year. That's what the book said, so that's what I'm going to tell you, all right, so it's cool. So they, they really honor this day. Last Tuesday night at our Connect group, um, we had, uh, we're we doing this Culture of Honor book at the moment. It's awesome. And we're talking about this chapter on dealing with our baggage and our sin and that sort of thing. And, and so at the end, I thought, hey, let's do communion together and just remember you know, what Christ has done and how Christ has separated from our sin. And I remembered the story in the Bible about the scapegoat. You know how we're always looking for a scapegoat? It's like, hey, uh, if, if that, that guy there, he could wear that so I don't have to wear it, like, especially as my brother, like, I'd be like putting as much stuff on him so I wouldn't get in trouble. And so he would be my scapegoat. So, you know, and so that whole scapegoat concept actually comes from the Bible. Wow. How about that? So... There's a cool thing here that's going to happen. I'm going to let you know shortly. But Yom Kippur, the this, this celebration, it means the day of covering. And the word Kippur means ransom. It shows God's willingness to cover the sins of the previous year. So every year, the Jewish people would actually celebrate this. And they would, uh, they would have to do this as a part of the requirements of their life to say, sweep with God. And the high priest would go in and represent everyone and, and do this ritual. So let me tell you about this ritual. So One of the most important aspects of the observance of the Day of Atonement was the scapegoat. Okay, this is last Tuesday when I just said, hey God, what should we do tonight? And he said, let's do the scapegoat. So I didn't know when I went into our Tuesday night connect group that that was the most significant day on the Jewish calendar to be celebrating the scapegoat. And who Christ is who has, has become our scapegoat. So it was kind of like a, a wow aha moment for me, and I was like, "Well, God's saying something here, even if it's just to me. I, I don't, it I might be saying something to you this morning, and and that's awesome." But th- this feast was to celebrate that Christ had paid the price for our sins, and our sins had been removed from us. And I just want to go through a few scriptures from Leviticus sixteen, verse nine and ten. Did anyone say Leviticus? Did anyone know that that book actually existed in the Bible? So it says, then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. And it says, laying both hands on the head of the goat, the high priest then confessed the sins of the people. After that, he sent the goat away into the wilderness by an appointed person, and this fulfills their requirement, explained in Leviticus 16:22, which says, "The goat shall bear on itself all the iniquities uh, to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness." It's amazing. And, and so I want to break open this morning that Jesus has become our scapegoat, not our yearly scapegoat, not the once in a while kind of go-to, but he is the ultimate scapegoat for our lives. There are two books that are extremely sacred in the Jewish religion. One's called the Torah, and that contains the five, first five books of the Old Testament. And this is like, you know, they're sacred writings, and the, the, the word Torah actually means instruction. And so the Jews were all about instruction. They actually don't buy into the New Testament. That's not a part of their Bible. They don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the resurrected you know, King that we do. So they get off at the Old Testament and we carry on. The other book that they have is called the Talmud. And this is the word for learning. And this this book is all about learning the ethics behind the customs of the Jewish culture. And so I'm going to just read a couple of things from the Talmud, uh, which is going to just bring a real richness to what Christ has actually done uh, for us. So in the Talmud, it says this, a crimson colored strap is tied to the head of the goat that is sent into the wilderness. And so, This is symbolic of the sin, the the crimson of the the sin of the nation at that time. And by a miracle, it goes on to say, "...and by a miracle this crimson-colored strap turned white, showing the people that they were forgiven of their sins. And then it explains that there was also a crimson thread tied to the door of the sanctuary, and when uh, the goat had reached the wilderness, the thread would also turn white." And this would happen every year. This was a supernatural event that happened every year. It's recorded in their writings. And we know how significant the door of the sanctuary was uh, when Jesus rose from the dead. And one of the things that happened is the temple curtain uh, hiding the holy of holies, the place of intimacy with God, that was ripped, that was torn in two, and that was symbolic that we can enter into the holy place with God. So these are really, there's really rich symbolism here. It says in Isaiah 1.18 that if your sins be scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And that is our inheritance through Christ Jesus. And it goes on to say that this is fascinating, but it becomes totally amazing when another section of the Talmud says uh, this. It says, Our rabbis taught during the last 40 years before the destruction of the temple, Okay, so this is the destruction of the temple where Jesus was hanging out. The crimson-colored strap did not become white again. So after 40 years, uh, sorry, Jesus died, and then the destruction of the temple was caused by the, uh, the, um, the Romans coming in. And that happened when Christ died, 40 years after Christ. The temple was destroyed 40 years after Christ died. So it was after Christ was crucified, the, the crimson strap on the scapegoat and the crimson thread on the temple door never turned white again. I know I'm mucked explaining that up a little bit there, but you get the point. You get the point that it's history records that the old covenant was irrelevant. That that supernatural grace around those crimson threads was gone because Jesus Christ became our scapegoat. He became the one who carried it all, who took it all and paid the penalty for our sins and removed our sins. You know, atonement means at one. It's When you look at the word atone, it's just at one. It means undivided. And I just, you know, Christ came so that we could be at one with God, so that we wouldn't have fragmented relationships with ourselves and God, with ourself and ourself. <laughs> you know, sometimes it feels like we're in bits and pieces, but Christ came and He gave an atonement right across your life. You know, you're like, you're, you know, uh, plastering walls, cracks in the walls. You get a trowel with plaster on it and suddenly it's smooth right over and the fragments are just gone, they're obliterated. And Christ does that to our life by, by His grace and His goodness. So. It says in Hebrews nine, verse twelve and fifteen, that he Christ bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. And I just want to bring two keys for you that will help you access guidance today. Find freedom for your future. First one, this is this is Christianity one oh one. It really is, but I'm believing that God's going to bring a deeper revelation for you about the grace of God in this. And that is that the sin from the high priest is actually imputed into the goat by the high priest. So it's actually given to the, to the goat. The goat became the symbol of sin. The goat is not blessed. The goat actually received the curse just as Christ has received the curse that has been on each one of our lives. The King James says, with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. Once for all. You don't have to just live with the fact that something happened last week and you can't go to God this week because of what happened last week. You don't, you've got freedom. Christ paid for your sins in the past, in the future, today. He has done it once and for all, You do not have to perform for God anymore because Jesus Christ performed for you by laying his life down and dying for you so that you could have freedom. So because of what Christ has done, the Father always sees you, always hears you, always supports you, always leads you, and has always got a plan for you to get out of the corner that you might find yourself in today. You can have that now. You don't have to earn your way into favor with God. You have favor. Grace is unmerited. Favor. The second thing here is that the goat is separated from people. So the sin where the goat where's the sin, and then the goat is sent into the wilderness. The goat got lost, and I believe there's some people here today that need to tell some stuff. You need to get lost. You need to get lost. You're not a part of my life anymore. In Psalm 103, David says that, you know, I'm going to upgrade that. that the sin just goes into the wilderness. But the fact is that, that our sin, that our baggage is separated as far as the east is from the west. And that God does not even recognize it. He doesn't even acknowledge the sin, your past, your hurt, that stuff that you regret. He doesn't even acknowledge that when he looks at your life today. It is gone. So we need this stuff that you've been holding on to, that maybe it's offenses, maybe it's uh, uh, unforgiveness. It's time to tell it to get lost. God can't bless this stuff while it's on your life. He can't bless relationships around your life if you are holding on to offenses. There's other stuff that you may need to actually recognize and go, God, I need that to shift off off my life. Maybe even self-reliance. That was something random and weird that kept I kept thinking about as I was preparing. Like people just going, it's all up to me. Oh, I've got to do it. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made businessman. I'm a self-made whatever. You know, it's all up to me. I've got to prove myself here. I've got to show people that I can do it. You know, that's an attitude that actually needs to shift if you want Christ to start partnering with our life. You know, we're children. We need His guidance. We need him. We are not independent. We are interdependent with him. Like Jared was saying, it's time that sickness got lost. See, that goat went out of town. It was bye-bye uh, goat. So just tell your neighbor to go and get uh, blessed. So it says here that through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts and make our, to make ourselves respectable Freeing us from all those dead end efforts to make ourselves respectable, you know? You don't have to carry that. Like you're just free. You're free. You don't have to perform for anyone. And it says, so that we can live all out for God. Who wants to live all out for God? Come on. Come on. Well, I know that we're a church that wants to just go for it. Like let's put the accelerator down and let's just let's just hit it. Let's hit let's just have the greatest relationship and connection and the presence of of god but let's go out and live our life with a cause with a purpose, not living just for the weekends, but actually living to pursue his kingdom, being outworked in our lives. We were born for adventure. We were born to be bold and brave and courageous and not to be passive and spend our life on Facebook and just watching other people's lives and dreaming and wishing about, I wish I had this and I wish I had that. He wants to take what you've got right now in the season and he wants to add to it. He wants to bless it. But some people here need to let some stuff go so he can add to your life. Some stuff needs to get lost so he can take it from you. He's not going to bless the things he wants to remove from you. You know, enlarge in capacity. We all talk about, like, oh, just like God's growing my capacity in this season. But we, he's not, he can't enlarge in something that's full of something else. He's got to take that stuff out. He wants to fill that space in your life with something better. T.D. Jake says this, God can't mix his big ideas with our small thinking. He can't. Mixes big ideas, his big plans, his big purposes when we're like holding on to unforgiveness, when we might be struggling with self-hatred, you know, when we're fearful, when we're feeling rejected. You know, at high school, I used to walk across A-Quad and I used to absolutely hate that walk. I used to so struggle with self-hatred and it, was, it just absolutely consumed me. I used to go home at lunchtime because I, was, I just didn't want people to look at me. I just really hated myself. And God was like, hey, that's not compatible with my call on your life. Sorry, son. And he took me by the hand and he led me out of that. And now I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> Obviously awesome. <laughs> I know, right? I look at myself every morning and I go, I'm in my residence. <laughs> Shut up. I'm in my resurrected body today. (laughs) You know, the Father says this through Jesus. (laughs) I can't forgive you unless you forgive others. You know, small thing, big thing to God. Holding unforgiveness is small thinking. Offences is small thinking. Maybe you're not going to forgive yourself. Maybe you're offended, disappointed at yourself. Maybe your offenses aren't ones that have been uh, committed against you, but we can carry offenses because of what we missed out on. And I just Think about Joseph's brother's story of Joseph. Joseph rocks up as a young man. He's like the youngest in the family, and his father's like, I love you the most, obviously, because I'm going to give you this coat, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to dote on you. And all his brothers saw that Joseph was the favored one, and they became offended They looked at his life and said, I wish I was that boy. You know, I wish I was that one. And then they didn't deal with their offense. And pretty soon that escalated and they wanted to kill him. And it all started with an offense. And it led with, you know, a life without a younger brother, essentially. God wants us to get free of some stuff today. The stuff that's making us feel lost he wants to partner with your life and lead you. He wants—he is your leader. He is your leader. He is your king. He is your captain. And if you've been just tired of going around the mountain, I'm seeing the same stuff again, I just want to just, we want to pray for you today. We want you to be refreshed today in his love. We want you to be able to go, I want to let this burden go. I want to let the feeling of being lost get off my life because jesus christ you know when he was on the cross he cried out he said father father why have you forsaken me you know that moment jesus was lost he was lost from the father's presence he was in the wilderness so that you wouldn't have to stay in the wilderness That all fell on him. That wilderness that we could all wear in life, it all fell on him so he could release freedom. And we're going to let some stuff run free so that we can live free and he can guide us and bless our lives. And I just want to lead you through a prayer this morning because I specifically want to just zero in on offenses and unforgiveness. And you can just read with me in this. I want to read it out and you can just read it in your head and just put names or Yourself into these spaces, and then we're going to stand together and sing, and the revival is going to break out, and it's going to be just glorious. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this moment. You just, yeah, just make that your prayer right now, just between you and God. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this moment. Father, even as you have freely forgiven me today. I choose to release so-and-so, maybe it's Yourself, but I choose to release them from me and into Your hands. By Your grace, I forgive them for hurting me, specifically for hurting me by. By the grace of Jesus Christ, I choose to release them from my judgement and my offences. And through your grace, I declare blessing over them and on them. I pray that your grace and mercy would overshadow their lives. I receive forgiveness for the offense I've held on to towards others myself. And I let that go now into your hands. I just want to pause on that one. Maybe you just want to breathe out. Just breathe. I receive your healing touch into my brokenness. Thank you, Holy Spirit.